Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, paranormal investigator author Joshua P. Warren discusses paranormal Puerto Rico. Three police officers saw this thing walk across the street. They immediately went back and they got their guns and they got flashlights and they went out exploring the brush and thickets trying to find this creature. This podcast is brought to you by BrightBiz. If you own a business or you've dreamed of starting one, there's a helpful free guide with 36 business power tools proven to boost sales, increase income, simplify your life, and give you better results with less effort. Best of all, this business toolbox is yours absolutely free. And these are useful online tools that make doing almost anything a lot easier. Just visit freebusinesstoolbox.com to grab your copy. I know there are a lot of websites out there that offer you a special deal on something, but then they stick you in some annoying recurring program. This isn't like that. There's no hidden thing to try. BrightBiz is giving away this guide free of charge as a means of putting their best foot forward. But all good things must come to an end, so don't wait. Grab your free guide today. Visit freebusinesstoolbox.com. Freebusinesstoolbox.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Well, spring has finally sprung. More than a month after the official first day of spring, it actually is starting to feel like spring up here in southern Ontario. But you know, I really shouldn't complain about the weather. Earthquakes, practically non-existent. Maybe a slight tremor every 10 years or so. Tornadoes, pretty infrequent. Hurricanes? No, forget about it. So, uh, again, I shouldn't complain. And I, you know, I think a lot about the, the poor people of, of Puerto Rico. They have experienced so much uh, devastation, calamity over the last couple of years. It's been about seven months since Hurricane Maria struck the island and left, oh, somewhere around 55, 60 people dead. And there are people, hard to believe, people there still, after all this time, without electricity. A paranormal investigator, Joshua P. Warren, lives part-time in Puerto Rico. He's just back from the island, and he's going to give us a report, including, including a plethora of breaking weird stories surrounding the event that you've never heard before. He'll also unveil a new system he's developed to help you hack reality by matching your personality type with a method that works for you. Joshua P. Warren is an investigator who pioneers the amazing relationship between the mind, energy, matter, and strange phenomena. He owns the Asheville Mystery Museum and Laboratory in North Carolina and the Bermuda Triangle Research Base in Puerto Rico. He's the author of over 20 best-selling books, including Use the Force, A Jedi's Guide to the Law of Attraction, and The Wishing Machine Workbook. He's appeared on numerous TV programs on history, discovery, National Geographic, Animal Planet, Sci-Fi, TLC, and starred on the Travel Channel series Paranormal Paparazzi. He travels the world investigating mysterious phenomena and made the cover of a science journal in 2004 for lab experiments regarding energy fields in nature related to the Brown Mountain Lights. As the creator of the wildly popular Wishing Machine Project, he's helped thousands of people around the world change their lives in profound ways, manifesting extremely good fortune. This May, he's producing a huge event in Las Vegas called Finding Your Magic, How to Hack Reality. And if you want to see his mind-blowing photos and videos glimpsing into other realms, visit his website, www.joshuapwarren.com. Joshua P. Warren, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you, my friend? I'm I'm doing great, and I, I want to tell you, Richard. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this to you off the air, but I am a big uh, fan of your show. Your mind is razor sharp, and it's always an honor to be with you. So thank you for having me. Just like we rehearsed it. Thank you. Nicely done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. Well, it's hard to believe on a serious note. It has been almost seven months since uh, Hurricane Maria uh, came ashore in Puerto Rico. Massive destruction. Something like 55 people lost their lives. And uh, I mean, you were there. I mean, you have uh, you have property in Puerto Rico. You've got the. Uh, uh, you've got the, uh, the the Bermuda Triangle research base there. How did you ride that storm out? Well, actually, I am very fortunate because I started going to Puerto Rico about 13, 14 years ago. And for the past five years, I have been operating the Bermuda Triangle Research Center, which uh, I created and own. And I happened to leave about uh, one month before Hurricane Maria. So I was just sitting there watching the Weather Channel uh, going, oh, my God, uh, seeing Maria just tear that island to pieces. Pieces. And so I, I went back there uh, for about two and a half months, and I just returned to the States one week ago. So um, I can tell you realistically what it's like there. But, uh, yeah, this is the most devastating hurricane that has ever hit Puerto Rico in recorded history. And there, there are people there still without power, correct, seven months later? Yep, that's right. I got uh, I got a text uh, earlier today from a couple of my friends who said the power's been off for 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 you know, like at least two or three days, and so uh, it's and 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 now mind you, uh, Richard, a lot of people don't realize that Puerto Rico has mountains in the middle that are over 4,000 feet tall, uh, which is especially intriguing if you consider that if you go off the coast several miles, well, then you have the deepest point in the Atlantic called the Puerto Rico Trench, which is almost 30,000 feet deep. And so, yeah, there's a very uh, dramatic, dynamic uh, geology there. And so uh, I think the people who are up in the mountains are still the ones who are uh, the hardest hit. Uh, by not having access to uh, proper infrastructure. Now, you've been in Puerto Rico, you said, with the research base there for about 13 years. And you, luckily, you, you, you got out this time. You, were, you left about a month before. But ha- what is your history with hurricanes? Have you been caught in one there before? Uh, I, I, in, in Puerto Rico, I have endured some tropical storms, which were pretty impressive because, you know, you, even in a tropical storm, I mean, you're watching all the trees bend over and everything blow away. So I can't imagine what it was like to be there and, and have a Category 5 storm hit. And, and by the way, uh, it was so powerful that it actually knocked out the weather station and Calle. Uh, and they, I, I think, still have not restored it. Uh, and, and so uh, when I was there, I was talking to all these people ha- who had gone through it, and they were telling me, yeah, you have the obvious stuff. Like, yes, you're not going to have power. You're not going to have clean water, et cetera. But then you have other issues to deal with. Like, for example, uh, the people in Puerto Rico did not know with you know a great deal of warning that this was coming. And so when it hit, it knocked out the banks. And all you had was the money in your pocket and the uh, gas in your car. And for the longest time, People didn't even have access to cash, and so what that means is that they had to help each other out in order to survive, and then finally when cash was available again, uh, they would stand in line for over four hours to get – the allotted amount of $100 per week. And so this is a, a warning to all of us. Uh, regarding what would happen if there were an EMP, whether it's natural or man-made, that just takes out all of the electronic systems that we are uh, sort of taking for granted. Mm, indeed. Uh, speaking of, you know, you have the Bermuda Triangle Research uh, Base there. Does the the weather, the uh, the storms in the Caribbean? Does that have anything to think anything to do, do you think, with the Bermuda Triangle? Well, yeah, I think that uh, there are places that we know are 
atmospherically uh, chaotic. Uh, we all know that hurricanes come through and and tear up places in the Caribbean. I mean, and and getting back to my personal experience, I mean, even living in North Carolina, uh, Hurricane Ivan came through North Carolina, however many years ago, and uh, my my house got flooded, and so. Uh, I, I realize there are places where you have natural, devastating weather, but also in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, you have what I call interdimensional weather. I think there are certain places on Earth where um, all of the energy fields become chaotic. And that's why we have these stories about people who experience time slips and, and ghosts and UFO and USO activity, which is uh, especially pronounced. And in, in fact, uh, for those who are listening who might not be uh, familiar with the Bermuda Triangle, I mean, it's three points pretty much. It's between Miami and Puerto Rico and the island of Bermuda. And this is just a place which is always in some kind of state of chaos. It's beautiful. It's one thing to go there and uh, vacation, uh, but it's another thing when you're actually there full time and you see that there are a lot of experiments that get done there. Uh, you know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory, but it's not a state. And so throughout the years, the U.S. government has experimented with eugenics there, uh, sterilizing women without their permission. They have brought uh, invasive species in there like uh, monkeys and uh, alligators and done all kinds of weird experiments with them. And so it's kind of like a big laboratory out there in the middle of the Caribbean. Hmm. Well, uh, given that, um, I mean, does it have its own sort of Area 51? Yes. Uh, well, there are many secret bases. And, and when I say secret, I mean that in quotations because everybody in Puerto Rico kind of knows what's going on there. Uh, I mean, it, it is an island. It's 100 miles from east to west and about 35 miles from north to south. And so uh, we, we all kind of know where the secret bases are. It's a, it's a red flag when you go there and you see the sign that says, turn away or we're going to shoot you. <laughs> so <laughs> Very yeah, subtle. So, so, Very subtle. Yeah. So, so there are a number of places, and in fact, I specifically chose Bocaron, Puerto Rico, which is in Cabo Rojo, in order to uh, set up my Bermuda Triangle research base. And for those who are familiar with Puerto Rico, you know, San Juan is kind of on the uh, northeast corner, and Bocaron and Cabo Rojo is in the southwest corner. And I chose that place because it's near. Uh, the the ultimate hotspot for UFOs and USOs, it's called the Laguna Cartagena. And uh, I, to this day, every single day, I'm telling you, I get incredible pictures and video that is being sent to me of these massive, I'm talking like Spielberg-level flying saucers, uh, these are huge, huge things that appear in the sky, and uh, you have folks who've lived there their entire lives. They know what's normal. They know what's not normal, and they look out over the Bocaron Bay, and they see this gigantic form there, and we have all of these workmen, you know, these engineers, these electricians and whatnot who are coming to Puerto Rico for the first time from various states. And they're seeing this stuff, and they're photographing it. And as a matter of fact, if you go to my website, uh, you can scroll all the way down to the bottom of the home page, and you can click the link there where I am updating this constantly with these images that uh, not only native Puerto Ricans are taking, but also the, the workmen who were there with FEMA. Oh, interesting. So... Uh, what do the, the, the locals uh, think? Uh, let's talk about – get back to the hurricane for a second. What do the locals think? What are they saying? Do they are, – are, are, do some of them believe that this hurricane was created intentionally, that it's man-made? There's a lot of talk about man-made weather and the Defense Department owning the weather by 2025, and we hear about scalar technology and so forth. Do they think this hurricane was manufactured? Uh, just about everybody does. And wow. I think 
I think I should point out uh, right off the bat that, you know, growing up in North Carolina, I was always intrigued by these stories about the gray man. And the gray man is this apparition who appears on the coast of the Carolinas just before a hurricane hits. And people have been seeing the gray man since the 1800s. And uh, it's a very interesting story because, you know, we haven't had good weather radar systems. Uh, well, well the, I guess the 1960s w- was when they really perfected the technology. And, and, and the gray man was kind of like a harbinger. Well, people in Puerto Rico, they started seeing all of these harbingers, all of this paranormal stuff right before the hurricane hit. And, and we can get into uh, specific stories if you'd like. But beyond that, I I find it uh, more than coincidence that only months before this hurricane hit, Puerto Rico became the first U.S. territory of any kind to declare a form of bankruptcy. Um, a lot of people have known for a long time that Puerto Rico was going down this uh, spiraling sinkhole, if you will, of debt. And a lot of these creditors are on Wall Street and such. And so we ended up in this situation where uh, it became clear that there was no way that this money was going to be paid back. And then, again, a few months later, we have the largest hurricane in history that hits the place. And so a lot of Puerto Ricans believe – and and. And I can get into details, if you'd like, on why they believe this, that, yes, there are hurricanes that naturally occur, but that this one, Maria, which hit uh, like six and a half months ago, may have actually been magnified and directed toward Puerto Rico very specifically because, in part, once you get the FEMA money coming in – billions and billions of dollars, it gets distributed in all these ambiguous ways. And a lot of the Puerto Ricans I've met have said, look, there's all this money coming in, but we don't know where it's going Mm. because they're not getting any help. And so ultimately what we have here is this idea that uh, you may have systems out there like HARP, which by the way, Puerto Rico is a HARP outpost. these systems that might be able to tap into the natural hurricane power and magnify it and direct it as needed. I was, I'm startled by the fact that you said virtually everybody there believes that this was intentional. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. And one other thing I'll tell you is, is that there is, as I was uh, alluding to before a, uh, a system there, uh, I think it's called Nexrad which is a specific type of weather station, which is an outpost of the HARP outpost. Um, And I've been contacted by many people who have said, have you noticed that if you go back over the past five to ten years, when these hurricanes come in, they always just so happen to hit the exact spot where the next rad station is. And at first I was like, huh? And I went back and I started looking up locations like New Orleans and New Jersey. And you overlay the hurricanes with the site where the next rad station is. And sure enough, these hurricanes always go right for the next rad station. And those things, again, are often connected to the harp outpost. So uh, what do you make of that? So it's come to mama. <laughs> So that's where they're, I mean, that's basically what's pulling the string. Is that the location they're they're actually creating these things then? Well, it seems like that, uh, okay, well, for, for listeners who aren't, are not familiar with, with HARP, and we're talking about, uh, I'm going to try to remember this now, the, uh, the High Altitude Auroral Active Frequency Research Project or something along that's those right, lines. That's right, up in Alaska. You know, HARP, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's stationed in Alaska, and the Arecibo Observatory is an official ionospheric research center, which is associated with HARP and has been a part of that project since 2012. And one of the things about HARP, of course, is that they are directing these very, very 
intensive amounts of, of wattage on small parts of the ionosphere. Now, that can achieve several different goals. Uh, for one thing, you can create interesting images in the sky. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also heat up certain parts of the water, which is what creates weather. Uh, and furthermore, there are people who happen to be in the uh, line of sight, if you will, for some of these transmissions that uh, talk about having weird uh, mental effects. And so uh, Arecibo is one of the places where they're doing this research. And uh, if, you've, if you've seen the movie Contact with Jodie Foster, you know, they feature the Arecibo Observatory sure. mm-hmm. uh, and the GoldenEye movie, uh, you know, like the 007 James Bond GoldenEye movie, it's featured in there. So they have this base right there in Puerto Rico. And then they have these, like I was saying, next rad stations. And it could be that, uh, and this is very sinister, by the way, and I don't like to bring up sinister things, but uh, everybody in Puerto Rico seems to think that this hurricane hit at this particular time and this particular way because of their debt issue. Interesting. Hmm. Follow the money, as usual. Uh, you, you were mentioning that people are reporting some strange events surrounding the hurricane. Is there an uptick in paranormal activity just before landfall? Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, uh, one of my uh, favorite weirdies is Mothman. Mm. And, of course, you know, in 1967, Mothman was appearing all over West Virginia just before the collapse of the Silver Bridge, which is the largest bridge disaster in the history of the United States. Well, Puerto Rico has its own form of Mothman, a creature called the Gargula. And the Gargula is actually much creepier than Mothman because Mothman, if you actually read the eyewitness reports, always looked a little bit more like a big owl. Right. The Gargula yeah. is uh, – well, that's pretty much the Spanish word for gargoyle. This is a six-foot-tall, at least six-foot-tall, bat-winged, black, leathery creature with a face that looks like the face of a Doberman pincher. And that's how this has been described to me by eyewitnesses uh, that is seen sometimes flying or sometimes just, you know, walking around the streets. Now, now, the thing is, Richard, I I hear a lot of crazy people in bars, you know, telling me wacky stories and I'm like, whatever. But the God's honest truth is I talked to five active duty police officers in the town of Guanica who all told me that they had seen this thing. They had seen it themselves. As a matter of fact, one night, a bunch of police officers saw this thing, or I guess it was three of them. So three police officers saw this thing walk across the street. They immediately went back, and they got their guns, and they got flashlights, and they went out exploring the brush and thickets trying to find this creature. And so the Gargula began appearing more prominently just before the hurricane hit. And that's why I think that the Gargula might be some kind of a harbinger that um, something bad was going to happen there. And I have in front of me a stack of papers that has a whole list of these harbingers that people have seen. And I don't know if you want me to go through this list or not. But yeah, I'm telling let's go you, through some of them. Absolutely. You do it? Yes, please. Oh, okay. So... Uh, near Arecibo, there is a cavern system called the Kamui Caverns. So impressive that whenever people come to Puerto Rico to visit me, one of the first places I take them is the Kamui Caverns. Now, the Kamui Caverns were not discovered, or, or I should say rediscovered, in modern time until the 1960s, which is hard to believe because mm. when you go there, it's like going to Jurassic Park. <laughs> but they were so secluded, you know. And uh, so it turns out that the indigenous people in Puerto Rico, called the Taino Indians, they used to go, we're talking thousands of years ago, to these caverns 
to seek shelter when a storm was coming in. And and these storms are what in, in Spanish they call tormentas. So that tells you a little bit about the way they view the experience. And so when these storms would come in, all the Taino would go there and they would try to, you know, uh, hold up until the storm was over. Well, I talked to a man named Juan Carlos and many other people, but I'll, I'll bring up his name because he gave me permission. Uh, a lot of people I talked to lived near the Kamui Caverns, and they said that for days before the hurricane hit, dogs would start barking at night, and they would go outside, and they would hear this eerie sound coming from the caverns, and it sounded like people wailing and mourning. I mean, it, it, the kind of thing that will give you goosebumps and make the hair stand up on the back of mm -hmm. your neck. And everybody in the community knew this wasn't normal. And so they heard that sound days, for about three or four days before the hurricane hit. Uh, there's another story here that I, I think is uh, impressive. I talked to a woman named Walinda, and uh, she lives in this town called Ormegueros which is about a 10-minute drive from where my research center is located. And, and let me set this up by saying that um, when you are in Puerto Rico and a hurricane's about to hit, the governor, he uh, signs a doctrine that says there can be no alcohol sales for 24 or 48 hours. And that's in order to inspire people to go back to their home and batten down the hatches. Right, right. And and so Walinda said she was in her home there in Ormigueros, and she was getting everything prepared for the hurricane, and she looked outside, and she saw a woman dressed in white, wearing sort of a white hood, white cloak, or something like that, and she walked outside, and the woman vanished. Now, when... The hurricane came through her area. All the houses around hers were practically destroyed, but hers was unscathed. There wasn't so much as a tree branch there. And what Walinda did not know that I knew from doing my historic research is that – here's the kicker. In 1604, right there in that same town, there was this eight-year-old girl named Maria – Montserrat, who disappeared for two weeks, and uh, the whole community was searching for her, and uh, they kind of gave up hope, and then all of a sudden, one day, somebody hears this child speaking, and they found this little girl uh, in perfect condition at the base of this large tree and kind of a big hole formed by the roots called the Seba tree and everybody was sort of laughing and crying to find her and they said you know what happened to you and she told them that she'd gotten lost but every night a beautiful woman mm. dressed in white with skin the color of coffee would come to give her food and care for her and historians to this day consider that woman to be an angel and they call that incident the miracle of Ormigueros. So what are the chances? What are the chances mm. that that would happen in that town and that woman would tell me that story? And Walinda knew nothing about this legend. No, right? she knew nothing about when I told her about it, it was one of those things where she started shrieking and she started getting all the neighbors she's like, "Listen to this, you got to hear this, you got to hear this." Um and now now she was blessed by this, you know, because nothing nothing happened to her. On the other hand, you have, again, the opposite kind of effect where these harbingers sometimes represent uh, negative things. Uh, for example, in uh, 1840, there was this old plantation, uh, a sugar mill hacienda near San Juan, which is the capital of Puerto Rico, where the slaves were worked really hard. And uh, the master there would ring a bell throughout the day to sort of uh, signify when it was time to wake up or to eat or to sleep. 
And for decades since then, uh, even after that plantation and that bell were long gone, uh, people would hear that bell ringing in the night just before some kind of a tragedy struck, uh, like even the unexpected death of a prominent family member or something like that. So the people there always believed that you know these were the slaves. And so I went to this little bar near this town and uh, it's called a Chinchoro. They're kind of like family, like neighborhood, community little bars. And I had people clamoring to come to me and tell me that before the hurricane hit, they would hear those bells, kind of high-pitched bells, ringing at night. And everybody knew this was going to be special. This was going to be a very bad experience. And so sometimes these harbingers are positive. In other cases, they're harbingers of doom. And so uh, either way, uh, I could go on and on telling you about these incidents. But since the hurricane, there has been a whole slew of of UFOs and USOs seen as well, which is a whole different story. Animals can also be uh, harbingers. They'll often start behaving in very odd ways before earthquakes and hurricanes. And speaking of animal behavior, if you own a dog, how would you like to develop your dog's hidden intelligence and eliminate bad behavior and create the obedient, well-behaved pet of your dreams? A woman named Adrian Ferricelli, who's a professional certified dog trainer, has helped hundreds of dog owners train their dogs to be well-behaved, obedient, loving pets by bringing out their hidden intelligence. And you can quickly eliminate any behavioral problem your dog has, no matter how badly you think it's ingrained, no matter what kind of dog you have. The science behind this is simple. You may have heard of neuroplasticity in the human brain. Our brains are capable of learning new behaviors because of neuroplasticity. Well, your dog's brain has the same plasticity. And with the right mental stimulation that Adrian teaches, any dog's brain will become more open and receptive to learning new information. Your dog will listen to you and understand what you want it to do. When this happens, bad behaviors simply fade away as more desirable ones appear in their place. So, if you want to check out this remarkable dog training system, just visit realbusinessbargains.com. That's realbusinessbargains.com. realbusinessbargains.com. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was, good, good, a handsome man, Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Paranormal investigator Joshua P. Warren is here talking about paranormal occurrences in Puerto Rico prior to and following the devastation of Hurricane Maria. Uh, Joshua, do you think that the the UFO activity there has anything to do with all of the military bases on the island? Well, that's what I think. Uh, you know, in uh, I believe it was 2014, there was this incredible footage that was shot by the Homeland Security officers at the Aguadilla Airport. So uh, just to help everyone listening uh, envision this, you know, uh, Puerto Rico is kind of shaped like a rectangle. So in the top left-hand corner there, the extreme northwestern side, you have the Aguadilla Airport. And in 2014, the cameras captured this weird shape-shifting object flying around the airport at 120 miles per hour. They had to ground all the flights. They have this amazing footage of this thing dipping in and out of the water, and then finally it dips into the water and emerges, joined by a second object. And those two objects fly around, and then they descend into the water, and they're gone once and for all. And... I have talked to so many people who believe that there is some kind of underground base mm. or underground civilization around Puerto Rico and that this is what has attracted the United uh, or attracted the US military to go there and that maybe there is some relationship between the military and these beings which as far as we know might be the 
original earthlings uh you know they may have been here long before we were here and uh, i call them o ufos because when i look at this footage and again this is footage that you can see if you visit my website when you look at this footage you don't get the feeling that there's a little man inside uh, at the steering wheel you almost feel like that maybe this is a technology that is is, is living and, and and that's why it can shape shift and that you know, we look at ourselves and we think, oh, well, we're separate from uh, the, the rest of the world because we're organic and all this other stuff around us is artificial. But what is a human? You know, a human's made up of, of, of sulfur and iron and tin and magnesium and all these mm -hmm. things. And it, and, it, and it may be that some of these advanced craft are just a different arrangement of those elements and that when you see them, you're actually looking at what I call, again, an OUFO, which is an organic UFO, and that these craft have transcended that boundary between artificial and uh, organic, and that they, in fact, are almost like a living thing themselves. Fascinating. That explains a lot, actually. And the whole, uh, the, this whole area that I'm just learning about, I had Preston Dennett on the program a while ago talking about, uh, under, under, um, uh, unidentified submersible objects. And we talked about the Malibu anomaly, anomaly and, and whether there's some sort of an underground base there. Sounds like you could have the same thing off the coast of Puerto Rico. It's, it's such a small, Island. I mean, I guess by some standards, it's a fairly large place, but 100 miles long, 35 miles across, that's not a big landmass, and yet so much going on there. Um, it's, it seems like such a you know, mystical, magical place. It reminds me a little bit of, of, like, of the desert. New Mexico has a lot of that you know, same kind of um, mysticism. What is it about... Puerto Rico, do you think? Well, when I first uh, created the Bermuda Triangle Research Center, I was trying to figure out, yeah, what what is this all about? Because most people think of the Bermuda Triangle and they just think of disappearances. And indeed, people are still disappearing there all the time. I mean, just last year, there was a small plane that took off from that same airport that I was talking about. Uh, it had uh, a woman and her boyfriend and the woman's two kids, uh, perfect weather, and it vanished. Um, I mean, I, you can go all the way back to Columbus. I mean, when he first came to the area in 1492, even he recorded in his logs um, the compass spinning around and bizarre lights on the horizon. I mean, uh, and of course, most people know about the famous incident in 1945, I think it was, when the five Navy bombers dis disappeared. Um, and so I, I, I was wondering, like, well, you know, why is this happening? And then I got there and I realized that's just one part of this whole phantasmagoria where people are experiencing more spirits, uh, more interdimensional encounters, uh, cryptids, psychic stuff. And... I went to Google, which anybody can do right now, and I hope they'll do it. And it, 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 if you just go to Google and you type in NASA gravity map, you will see this amazing illustration that NASA has created that displays the inconsistency of Earth's gravitational field. So, in other words, uh, some places have a very weak field and some places have a very strong field. And the weak field is color-coded in blue and the strong is orange or red. And this whole section that we call the Bermuda Triangle is, is, is blue. Uh, and, in fact, the area right around Puerto Rico is such a, a deep blue color that you can't even see the island of Puerto Rico when you look at the map. And so I was scratching my head saying, well, is there a connection between weak gravity and the way that we are able to interact with other parallel aspects of, of, of our dimension? And I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that I know what that means because I'm not sure that humans can comprehend this. Uh, but, but then I started looking at places that were red and I realized, oh my goodness, you have sacred sites and pyramids and temples 
and places where we have actually uh, fewer amounts of reports. And so it may be that you have wackos like myself these days who like to go out and get into the paranormal activity, but ancient people didn't want to experience that stuff because they considered it evil. Mm. So it may be that they built their sacred sites, their protected places, where the gravitational field was was stronger, and the places where it's weaker is where we have more paranormal stuff. And you have all these paranormal investigators who are running around, and they're measuring electromagnetic fields and electrostatic fields, etc. But uh, not much research has been done on the relationship between gravity and the paranormal, and I think that this may be a real key that we should all dig into, and the fact that there is weak gravity in the Bermuda Triangle might explain why there's so much activity there. Fascinating. You know, this is why, to me, you're, you're just miles ahead of, of most paranormal researchers, because you're actually, you're not just cataloging you know, a paranormal activity. You're actually trying to get underneath and figure out what's going on here. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about what's happening this May. You're, you're producing this huge event in Las Vegas called Finding Your Magic, How to Hack Reality. Tell me about this. Well, thank you for asking me about this because I have produced a lot of big events throughout my life, and this is the biggest, most amazing event that I've ever produced. Um you know, last year we had all these reports that were coming out about the Pentagon admitting that they were back engineering UFO technology and they were doing it in modified buildings in Las Vegas and Robert Bigelow is involved and all that. And so this is an area where some attempt, I think, at disclosure is, is happening. Um, but on a broader scale, I have found throughout the years that a lot of people look at me and they say, okay, well, this is a guy who studies ghosts or, or UFOs or whatever. What I'm actually studying is the relationship between matter and energy and how one thing can manifest another thing. And so I have also learned that you have people out there who are maybe not understanding clearly how they can – sort of affect this relationship between matter and energy and manifest things because what, what what's the whole point of this research you know it, it, it's not just to see creepy stuff i mean it's it's to try to learn how to be uh, a better more you know positive individual who can make good things happen and i i talked to one person who would say like well i i enjoy wishing machines and then they work for me and then another person says well i don't like wishing machines because i don't like things with buttons and switches and then you talk to somebody who says, well, I like to use wands. And then you talk to somebody else who says, well, I, nothing has ever worked for me. And I started doing experiments and really testing people. And I came up with what I am calling, and confidently so, a brand new system where you're able to take uh, a, a very simple test and you're able to profile uh, the way that someone thinks about the world and match that person up with a system that will help that person manifest things on a very dramatic level. And uh, it's one thing to go into some cold, sterile laboratory with a bunch of dudes in white coats. It's another thing to go to my favorite laboratory, which is Las Vegas, where, <laughs> like, they don't care about you. They, they're trying to take your money, right? So if you can beat the odds there, you are really proving something. And so I figured this system out, and it works amazingly well. And so I'm producing this one-time-only event. It's only for 100 people. It's going to take place in less than a month. It's May 16th, 17th, and 18th. 18th at the uh, MGM Excalibur Hotel right there on the Vegas Strip where I figure I'm going to prove to everybody the effectiveness of this system. And so those lucky 100 people are going to get to sit down there. I'm going to take them through the process and explain how this works. I'm going to match them up with a, the, the perfect way to manifest things. Uh, we're also going to include all kinds of other cool stuff because I have some d strange debris from Roswell that I've never 
uh, exhibited publicly, which I'm going to be pulling out, and I'm going to show you what this stuff does in person. Uh, in fact, you can take a piece of this stuff and put it in an electrostatic field, and it stands upright and spins and levitates, and people think that this is some kind of a hoax or whatever. No, no, no. I'm going to show you in person how this works. You're going to get to play with it. We're going to do that. We're going to really dig into that relationship between energy and manifestation and the physical world. And I have a lot of other cool, fun stuff uh, built in. And, I, and, and frankly, I think that we might get blacklisted from Las Vegas <laughs> because when we're done, I think everybody's going to win a lot of money. So all, all that information is at uh, youwillmanifest.com, youwillmanifest.com. And that's coming up uh, again next month, three days where you get to hang out with me. Uh, I could – have many more people, but I just want to keep it a small group so that we all get to work hands-on. And uh, who knows, Richard, maybe you can even come, right? That would be wonderful if I could tear my way uh, myself away from the studio. Uh, now, does this, have a, does this technique involve remote viewing at all? Yes. Uh, you know, I could have a whole lineup of speakers and stuff that you know you, you usually see that with these kinds of conferences but I'm not doing that uh, the focus here is going to be uh, teaching the technique and yet the one speaker that I wanted to have that I just had to have there is Colonel some people call him Colonel Dr. John Alexander. Oh, yes. One of the men who stares at goats. You know, he was portrayed by George Clooney in the movie, The Men Who Stare at Goats. He's going to be there and he is going to speak on remote viewing and psychokinesis. And um, it's like, you know, I, I can give everybody listening a little example right now of how the remote viewing stuff can be uh, helpful. Uh, if you take your hands right mm -hmm. now okay. and you clasp them together, right. uh, one of your thumbs is going to be on top. Yes. And what we have found in our experiments is that if your left thumb is on top, you are more inclined to be a better remote viewer. Uh, which one of your thumbs is on top, Richard? <laughs> the right Oh, well, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm not saying it's impossible, but usually people who have the left thumb on top do better at remote viewing. And so I'll give you an example of how this works. So let's say you're going to go into the, to the casino because the Excalibur there, it has a 24-hour casino and it's got 24-hour restaurants and buffets and an arcade and, you know, mm. tram that takes you, all that kind of stuff. Well, if you sit down at, let's say, like the roulette table – you might bet on red or black, but a part of what they call associative remote viewing is looking instead at some other object and uh, associating that with the colors red or black. So um, the reason I bring up the thumb thing is because the right side of the body controls the left side of the brain and vice versa. And so they say the right side of the brain is where imagery uh, comes into play more than, say, like mathematics. So if you're sitting at the remote viewing table, uh, you might look at black and then you look around the room and you find some object like uh, a glass of beer on a bar. You say, okay, I'm not going to think about black. I'm going to think of the glass of beer. And then you look at red and you say, I'm not going to think about red. I'm going to think about the flower in the corner over there in the flower pot. And once you start associating with the glass of beer and the flower, instead of red or black, you will statistically see your success rate go way up. And so anybody listening to this podcast can flip a coin and uh, you do the same thing. You know, you say, in, Instead of it being heads or tails, you associate something that's kind of unfamiliar so that it loosens up that right side of the brain and suddenly – 
you, you start to see more about what's going to happen in the future. And this is the kind of very practical information that you're going to get. But even if you're not the remote viewer type, I have 12 different personality types that I have isolated after 25 years of research. And I'm going to match every single person up with a technique that works for him or her. And that's what this big event is all about. This is the Wheel of Mastery. Yes, sir. Uh, mm. the, I, I find that uh, ultimately, you know how we talk about uh, time and space as being sort of two sides of the same coin? Right, right. And, and again, you know, we, we can understand that logically, but, you know, pfft, we, we can't comprehend what that really means. But uh, we, we know that they are somehow related. Well, I think that you can do the same thing with knowledge and power. So in, instead of time-space – Knowledge power is what we're going for here, and you can approach knowledge power from any different perspective that you want. And the will of mastery has the 12 different ways you can approach. And it's really uh, unfortunate that some people, they, they want to attain knowledge power, but what they do is they start off with a technique that doesn't work for them, and then they get frustrated, and they lose hope, and then they just turn their back on the whole thing. So the wheel of mastery is this, uh, again, it's part of a, a process that I've created where I'm going to find the right approach that you should use in order to get into this so that it works for you so that you ultimately are able to achieve that knowledge power dynamic and you will see for yourself that this actually works and to show you how confident that I am uh, I am offering a 100% money back guarantee so if somebody comes to this event and it doesn't work for them totally fine I'll give you your money back but I don't think that's going to be an issue because it's going to work now is there any connection between there being 12 sort of personality types uh, and let's say the 12 astrological signs that's a great question because I actually wanted it to be 10 uh, when I started developing this I thought 10 is the best number because you have 10 fingers you have 10 toes I didn't want there to be 12. Now, of course, I was aware that you have 12 signs of the zodiac and all that. But once I really started breaking this down and experimenting and testing people, I realized, no, it's true. There are 12. Uh, I studied Western astrology and Eastern astrology and all of these different personality tests out there. And I took my own experiments that I did and uh, which goes through, I would say, uh, a little over 800 people I've tested over the past 25 years. And it just it became clear to me, no, it's got to be 12. Uh, 10 was going to make it much more concise, but uh, that's part of nature, I think. And, and, and that's part of the design here that we're, we're living in. Um, you have certain numbers that are substantial, uh, for example, like the number seven. You know, you have seven notes in the musical scale, and uh, you have seven different colors in the spectrum, and um, and we pick seven as the number to uh, measure our days of the week. And then there are other numbers that are significant, like 33. You know, you have 33 sure. vertebrae in your spine and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. So uh, it just happened that 12 was the number that actually uh, worked. So aside from associative remote viewing, what are some of the other things on the wheel of mastery that you match to a personality? Well, okay, let's say that someone is um, – really good at being able to uh, just speak gibberish, all right? Mm -hmm. Just gibber. Like you, like you hear people who speak in tongues. Right, right. Like most people can't do that. But some people, they can just open their mouths and a bunch of nonsense comes out of their mouths. God right? bless the Episcopalians. <laughs> yeah, and the Pentecostals. Oh, that's know, right. It's the Pentecostals. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so... I have exercises there for, for people who can do that that will match the way that they can just rattle things off of their tongue and, and, and take that and connect it to an image. And so 
what we're talking about here is the idea that sometimes when you speak, when you just open your mouth and let something go, you're actually speaking into existence something that doesn't have to necessarily be a language that's identifiable. So let's say, you know, somebody comes up to me and cusses me out in Chinese or, or maybe German or whatever. That's not going to offend me because I don't know what they're saying. But there are other vibrations that can come out of your mouth that are effective, that actually make an impact, that make things happen. And so I have these exercises where I can tell people, okay, look, I want you to look at this diagram and I want you to practice on this diagram and it's going to exercise that ability for you to speak fluidly just whatever is on your mind, you know, just like whatever comes out. Um, and, and then we also have people who are absolutely, again, they, they've never had any kind of a paranormal experience at all. I call them technos because the only thing they believe in is technology. Great. So for those people, we have the placebo effect, which is what that the scientist and the medical doctors talk about being the one thing that we would consider magical. So for those kinds of people, you say, look, um, we have a technological way of helping you to associate the way you feel with manifestation. And I take them through a series of experiments. One of them would be what they call the rubber hand experiment. Are you familiar with that one? I am not, no. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's very eerie and creepy. What you would do is you have the person sit down, and you want to have some kind of a blinder there so that the person is able to take his or her hand and put it behind the blinder so you can't see your hand anymore. But then you have this little gimmick you make that has a a fake arm and a fake hand on it. And then you have a person sitting there who will, let's say, stroke your index finger at the same time they stroke the index finger of the rubber hand. Mm -hmm. And after you do this for a few minutes, you start to feel like the rubber hand is your hand. And, and, And then you can jerk out a hammer and bang the heck out of that rubber hand, and the person always jumps because they feel like they got hit on the hand even though you're hitting the rubber hand. This is an exercise to help people realize that the mind extends beyond the body. Right, right. And, that it, and you can animate things, even if it's in your own head, like a placebo effect. That's totally fine. You know, we don't have to explain everything. We just have to make sure that everything works. And so I have all these very simple but effective interactive uh, exercises that everybody's going to do that will take their mind out of their body, out of what they're used to, and help them to realize that the body and the mind are truly, you know, they're connected, but they are different. And you can extend your mind into the world and do more with your mind than you've ever dreamed possible. Well, for these lucky 100, this is going to be, uh, it's just going to be mind blowing. And that's happening this May in Las Vegas, finding your magic, how to hack reality. And again, how do uh, people sign up for this? Uh, if you go to my main website, which is joshuapwarren.com, there's no period after the P. If you go to joshuapwarren.com, you'll find a link there at the top that will give you all the info. Or if you just want to go straight for the uh, uh, information, you can go to youwillmanifest.com. Uh, but I hope that people uh, who are listening will go to joshuapwarren.com because I have all kinds of amazing stuff on my website that you're not going to find anywhere else. I mean, there's a section called Gallery of the Strange where I have images and video clips that I think are the most compelling evidence for the paranormal that are all listed there. Uh, my curiosity shop has exclusive uh, items that I make in my own laboratory. Uh, I own a museum and laboratory here in Asheville, North Carolina. So uh, hopefully uh, everyone will enjoy going to joshuapwarren.com. But uh, whether you go there or you will manifest.com, uh, I promise you uh, it, it 
it, it'll be a, a fun experience for you. Joshua, you are a treasure. I mean that. You're, you're such an incredible resource and, and fascinating and, and learned, and uh, I always enjoy spending time with you. Thank you so much for this. Hey, it's a great honor. Thank you so much, Richard. Uh, it's always fun to talk to you. All right, my friend. Have a good evening. All right, you too. Well, just about time to dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs. Before that, I'm going to tell you what's coming up on episode 59. And hey, it's Friday. That means we have our weekly draw. First, let me tell you about Life Extension's fabulous Mega Green Tea Extract. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract provides powerful antioxidant effects throughout the body. Green tea contains health-promoting polyphenols, including a powerful antioxidant, which has been the subject of extensive scientific research. Why don't you pour on these multiple health benefits for yourself? Green tea is a powerful antioxidant. It supports health membrane integrity. It boosts liver detoxification. It enhances immune function and helps maintain healthy blood cholesterol, LDL and triglyceride levels, and much more. Life Extension's Mega Green Tea Extract is decaffeinated, yet it contains more polyphenols in one capsule than seven cups of green tea. The Chinese have used green tea for therapeutic purposes since 2000 BC. And more recently, volumes of published scientific findings attest to its multiple health benefits. One capsule a day of Mega Green Tea Extract is all you need. Why don't you give your body what it needs? Order right now from Life Extension and save 25%. Just go to SmartClickIdea.com. That's SmartClickIdea.com. SmartClickIdea.com. Okay, let's reach into the giant cheese puffs jar. Hello. Hey, I think I found Jimmy Hoffa. Nope, it's just a piece of paper. All right. Uh, Here we go. This week's winner of My Strange Planet Volume 1 is Roger Tate of Sioux City, Iowa. All right, Roger, congratulations. I'll drop that in the post first thing Monday morning. In the meantime, if you want to get in on the weekly draw, just have to, all you have to do is rate and review this podcast. Grab a screenshot of that. Email it to me at richardserrett1 at gmail.com. Don't forget to include your full name and mailing address and then be listening every Friday for the draw. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, Sorcery and Summoning and the Tarot. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.